All your base are belong to us. Hello, and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and I actually haven't done all that much because I got Baldur's Gate 3. That's fair. So I'm not going to talk about Baldur's Gate 3, other than to say I'm having so much fun. <laughs> uh, I'm Mary, I'm a digital marketer, yes, and um, get ready to listen about vape. <laughs> Get I mean, it's vaped. not gonna be the whole thing, but it's gonna vape. <laughs> Vapor's gonna vape, 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 vape. <laughs> what? It sounds so fake. Wow, it's not. Well, it's not not like you're fake laughing, but it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> like an anime. Or I'm something. Titus. <laughs> um, I guess I can go first. Yeah, we technically have the same amount. I guess that's true. Keep but. Um, I watched Hyori's Bed and Breakfast, uh, or Hyori's Homestay, which is a Korean, uh, variety, not a variety show, it's a Korean reality show about, uh, Lee Hyori, who is a very famous pop star in Korea, um, kind of like the Beyonce of Korea, like everybody knows who she is. Um, and the show is about her and her husband, Lee Sang-soon, um, opening a bed and breakfast in their home and people come stay with them. It is the most low stakes <laughs> reality show I've ever seen in my life. Um, there is one episode with a lot of drama, which is when the water pressure is too high and there's water underneath their floorboards. And that was quite stressful for me. <laughs> um, but this show is just, it's so cute and so heartwarming. Um, and just real, it's just, it was really good. It was really, really enjoyable. We only watched the first season because every episode is an hour and a half long. It's so long. So, and that's without commercials. <laughs> um, so we've only watched the first season, but we had a great time watching it. It's just about like these groups of people that come and stay at their bed and breakfast. Um, and the little adventures that they do on Jeju Island. Oh, and they are, they have, um, a quote-unquote worker who is the other another pop star from uh korea called iu um and she she's kind of like the taylor swift of of korea at the time at least so just like imagine like imagine you got selected to stay at beyonce's house and have Beyonce run your B&B, and then you show up and Taylor Swift is there doing the dishes. That's pretty wild. Like, it, it's nuts. I don't know who they are, so it, like, was not as impressive to me. But every time, like, every time somebody shows up and sees IU, they're like, oh my god. Because <laughs> I think they knew they were going to Hyori's house, but they did not know that IU was going to be there. So, and I was, like, trying to look up who's comparable pop stars to to them, because I don't know that much about uh, Korean pop music. Um, and the best comparison I could find was was uh, Beyonce and um, and Taylor Swift. So like, just I just want just for a second, imagine that be- you you win a you essentially win a prize to stay at Beyonce's house, and yeah. Taylor Swift is there doing the dishes. Uh, wild, and like won't let you do the dishes. Like gets offended if you try to do them. I feel like Taylor Swift might do that <laughs> just you know for optics. Yeah, she um, did. She put away all her trash and the um. Uh, when she was at the football game and Travis Kelsey's dad was like, oh, that shows she's a good, you know, he liked that and was like, well, 
How about her jet though? Yeah, I was just like, I was like, she put away like three cups. <laughs> I'm not wow. even, that's not even an exaggeration. Wow, three cups. She like, and it was like hers and like maybe someone else's. Oh my goodness. Um, so if you want to watch a super heartwarming, really sweet, um, reality show i i had so much fun watching it it's really really good it is all subtitled um and sometimes the subtitles go really fast and they don't subtitle everything but i cannot stress enough how low stakes this show is there is no plot it is not like if you miss something it's okay (laughs) (laughs) it's just like it's something to put on when you just want to chill out and watch some people having a nice time um so if that's your jam definitely seek out hiori's bed and breakfast it is rather hard to find right now so good luck luck. and godspeed um i watched big vape (laughs) it's a documentary it's on netflix and it's about the um company and in particular the creators of jewel the uh, singer songwriter, singer songwriter. No, these two guys. Um, the, what are they? Electronic cigarettes, I guess you call them. <laughs> the kids call them these days. They're vapes. <laughs> They're vape pens. Um, and it was really interesting. It was really, really good. I walked away not knowing like how I feel about vape pens. So I thought, well, what I thought was really interesting is the company originally started out because they had a mission of of cutting down on cigarette smoke. Mm-hmm. They they found that cigarettes the nicotine isn't what causes cancer it's whatever else it is and um and so he's like well there were there were a couple i think there were two prototypes before jewel but essentially they're like well what if we just put the nicotine in there and not the thing that causes cancer unfortunately it meant they put like five times the amount of nicotine in so they became extremely extremely addictive but at the same time, they helped a lot of people stop smoking cigarettes. Right. Um, they became a clear major threat to cigarette companies. And, um, despite throughout the whole, like the whole thing, the whole thing, the, like half of it talking about how they really hated cigarette companies, like Philip Morris, I believe is who ended up buying them out. They, they end up getting bought out and it's, um, from what it from what it sounded like, they said if they want to do this, we'll give them the craziest number we can think of, and the cig- this tells you how big the cigarette industry is. They did it, yeah, no question. And like, uh, it, this isn't true, but it's not untrue for some people. The when that happened, every person that it was reported, every person um who worked there was a millionaire. Wow. Um, if that wasn't true, there were a few people, there were people who, the one guy's like, I paid off all my parking tickets, but I think the people who were there for like a good amount of time were multimillionaires. Mm-hmm. That's how much money it was. Um, and, and so it was, it was really interesting that it took away the, the whole focus, which was stop smoking cigarettes, which of course they would take that away, right? The cigarette companies don't want that. They just want a new, a new um demographic because right. people are not smoking as much as they used to um and what ended up happening long story short is as many of us know kids are the ones that started doing it right um because they're flavored and they look the, the vape pens are they don't i don't think they look cool but kids think they look cool like teenagers <laughs> and things like that the real curse <laughs> the real curse of cigarettes is that they're terrible they're horrible they're horrible they stinky they make you ill like bad 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 
you feel like it's a it's a generational thing of like oh man we saw you know you don't see people smoking in um, movies as much anymore they warn for it now yeah which like I get it used to smoke all the time and be like oh man into that Mm. Uh, but it's bad don't but you don't do it don't start if you want to look cool you can have a fake cigarette I got some really convincing ones for my Halloween costume last year I made my husband stop smoking yeah don't smoke it's super gross but. You do look cool. You do look cool. So you, just use a fake cigarette. You don't look cool vaping. Yeah, you don't really look cool vaping. Uh, what was I saying? Eventually, what ended up happening, there's a lot of issues. that. But I, what I thought was really the most interesting to me is that um, kids, so kids were getting in, insanely addicted. Yeah. Because they're, I mean, they're smaller than adults, which is what this was made for. Um, Jewel <laughs> decided, because they at least in the documentary, they said we did not want kids doing this. That is not the point of this. So they tried to like, they were like, had a whole team of like, how do we get kids to stop doing this? And unfortunately they didn't have, I think professionals to really lean on because they decided it'd be best to go into the schools (laughs) and, and tell kids not to do it. But you're also promoting it because it's your company you're right. telling kids about it so it did not work in, in at all in any way whatsoever yeah so more kids were doing it the whole group of mothers of course moms against vaping i don't know if that's what it's called but that's essentially what it was uh mav uh, <laughs> that's not what it was but i think it was like care or something like that i don't know doesn't matter they were very much like trying to get it banned it got banned in a lot of places but it had yet to be proven to be like detrimental to your health. Mm-hmm. And then some kids started dying and like, like respiratory failure, like, like painful deaths. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they had in common was vape. And so then it turned into vape can still kill you and it can kill you like more violently mm-hmm. quicker. Um, turns out those kids were buying fake, not fake, but, um, third like bootleg, bootleg, uh, cartridges that had, they thought THC in them. Oh. It was vitamin A. Wow. Um, and they caught the person who did it. So, but the damage was already done. Right. So they started out the documentary saying vape at one point was, was worth a lot too much money. And then now they're worth, worth less than 5% of that. Wow. Yeah. It was a really, really good documentary. I went away, like, not confused, but like, while I think it's really bad to have like kids really, really, or, or adults super addicted to a vape to the point where like you can't survive without it. It also stopped a lot of people from smoking cigarettes, which ultimately are worse for you. Right. Because they're just as addictive and they give you cancer. Yeah. I can't stress enough, despite me saying that it looks cool when you smoke, you should not smoke cigarettes. Yeah, they don't. are bad for you. I'm not, I'm not here to run your life, but they are bad for you. Yes. So it was good in that sense of like, they weren't necessarily this documentary wasn't taking a side mm-hmm. and i liked that i just wanted to be given like hey this is what happened here's here's from both sides here's from professionals um but yeah i, I highly suggest it it's called big vape it's on netflix it's only three episodes long i think they're like an hour each mm. um we also went to geek girl con yeah we did which was a lot of fun i love geek Girl. it's the best it convention. Really, it's just so nice it's just nice everyone's happy to be there yeah i've gotten some of the best art from there yeah because people are willing to take more like risks right in the art that they sell yeah um it's just like it's it's kind of what you hope for from a convention in my opinion like 
Unless you like big conventions. Even so, like the thing I think a lot. Okay, I can't speak for everybody on this earth, but like, <laughs> yeah, no, I am speaking for myself when I think about it. I think a lot of people probably go to the like big conventions and feel that sense of camaraderie. Yeah. Um, and I don't necessarily because I don't necessarily like the same stuff as everybody. Like we all know, I'm not really a Marvel, an MCU, uh, girly. Star Wars girly. Um, we know this. Uh, so I don't. I don't feel that sense of camaraderie because I don't always like get it. You know what I mean? Which is just re- reflective of my personal interests. And like, there's still, there's a shit ton of stuff at geek girl con. I didn't know what the fuck it was, especially anime. I don't know. I don't know anything about anime. So like, there's a lot of stuff where I'm just like, I don't know what that is, but the vibe at geek girl con is just simply so communal. Like you really get yeah. the, you get the feeling of being part of a community, even if you don't like the same stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that the that convention really captures that spirit because it is based on the ideas of like inclusivity yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, as opposed to just pure fanishness. Yeah. Um it's also like extremely family friendly. Yeah. But you don't feel like, oh, kids. Right. Yeah. Like, you don't like a lot of times kids, you know, are are rambunctious. They're kids, they can't help it. Yeah. But it does it just kind of feels like the kids are just as excited. In the same way we are. It helps that the convention very deliberately has stuff for kids. Mm -hmm. It's not just look at the Star Wars thing. Yeah. It's like there there are activities. We pet bugs. We yeah, we the bug the bug people. I'm sorry, I can't remember what they were called, but they had some like essentially like ladies of bugs. Bug educators. Um, and so we got to look at and uh, touch some very cool bugs, like a vinegaroon. It was really, it was cool. There and was millipedes. even a tarantula. We did not touch that. No, no. The tarantula was named Beyonce also. Yes. Um, they did not take Beyonce out. Or the scorpions. No, but we did get to look at the scorpions, scorpions and see. Scorpions are arachnids and I didn't know that. Yeah, we got to see them glow in the dark. I did not touch. We were allowed to, I think, hold the vinegaroon. Or to touch the vinegaroon. Yeah. I, I gave it a high five because yeah. I'm very scared of spiders and arachnids. Um, and I'm trying to overcome that fear. And they let me give it a high five. It was very cute. So I did that. Um, and the, the lady with the bugs told me she was very impressed by my ability to engage yeah. with them, despite being afraid of them. It's cool. There's like this whole like STEM area specifically for kids. Yeah. And you can tell, especially as for kids, the whole, bu- the whole floor is covered in ceramic. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's really good i think i think it really helps that they have stuff for kids to do and it's so easy to find because it's where you go get your badge yeah so like i think at emerald city they have like a family center area but it's like not i mean there's a lot of stuff at emerald city so like it's hard to find a lot of things right but it's not necessarily like super right in your face and this is they want you to know hey this is here for your kid yeah yeah so it's it it just has like a really good feeling. If you're ever able to make it to geek to geek girl con, I highly recommend it. Um, we didn't go to a ton of panels this year. We did go to one about that analyzed uh, fan fiction and fan works, um, and it was really interesting. It was so interesting. It was so good. That was put on by uh, a group at the University of Washington that focuses, I think, on like fan studies and data analysis mm, it was great it was so good um, oh, love love data yeah i wish i could give you a whole lot of information i learned at the panel but i only took a few notes and they were not uh, especially helpful to anybody who isn't me <laughs> uh let me look really quick one of the things that is another thing that's great about Google con is they're willing to have those types of panels they're not gonna have a shit ton of panels that are like 
come sit here while we talk about how we like Marvel. It's more like, I think they had a Marvel one that was like, Killmonger was right. And it's like much more than just chat about these things we like. Other conventions also do that, but GeekGirlCon really is good at finding really good content. A lot of... A lot of major conventions are essentially marketing opportunities for mm-hmm. publishers and Geek Girl Con is it it's run for fans. Mm-hmm. So the panels are put on by fans. They're not just fan panels, um, but they're put on by people who are themselves fans and not necessarily just there to market whatever it is that they're doing. Um, I looked at my notes and I took absolutely no notes of help to anybody, but the panel was really good. Um, we also went to a panel on like sort of the history of pink, mm-hmm. um, which was put on by Morg Ann, um, which was, it was interesting. So it was kind of about the history of the color pink and its associations with femininity, um, which I have part of the reason we went to this was because we're doing the Barbie episode and we wanted to hear some like perspectives on the history of, of pink and that kind of thing. And the association with femininity. And I really, the panel was really informative and yeah, like, and like really it wasn't well done. what you thought it was going to be. No, um, it was, it was informative. It was well done. Um, I'm, I'm this kind of thing always gets my hackles up and this is not the fault of the person who did the panel. So I'm not, this is just Missy cynical. Yeah. I get really like femininity deserves to be some celebrated and like the color pink is is unfairly maligned in our culture because of its association with femininity which is constructed just like femininity is um i get my hackles get up when it comes to like a lack of um divorcing femininity from pink you know what i mean like and i don't like again this is not this is not the host of the panel's fault she did she didn't do anything wrong it's one of those things where I'm just like watching it and I'm like, I wish we could talk a little bit more about non-traditional femininity and about femininity for people who don't fit the like white, straight, cis normativity that is associated with this kind of femininity. Like, don't get me wrong. Elle Woods is a great fucking character, right? Mm -hmm. She's also cis, white, white and straight. So like, what does pink femininity look like to somebody who doesn't fit one of those demographics. And again, not the presenter's fault. She was speaking primarily from her own perspective, which was actually really interesting because she's primarily like, she's like gothic and very into Mm -hmm. horror and that kind of stuff. Um, So like that itself is a, is an interesting twist on it. Um, Not as like, you know, not as, not as different as like not being like cis or white, but I don't, I don't know. Different, different. Yeah. I don't know her sexuality, so I don't want to make statements there, but um but it, it, my hackles always go up with that kind of thing because I'm just like, okay, but there's there's more to this, and like I and this we'll get into this in the Barbie episode. But like my relationship with fem- femininity is complex. I am a cis woman. I identify as a woman. I am a woman. I identify with femness. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm pretty feminine. Um, but my relationship with femininity is complex. So when when there's like this, it doesn't have to be like speaking in absolutes, but the suggestion of absolutes with regard to what girlhood is or what femininity is, my hackles go up because it doesn't define me. And you're automatically feel like you're out of this conversation. Not just that, but I know that my alignment with femininity and my whiteness and my cisness put me in a further relation to femininity than most people. And if my hackles are up, like I get frustrated on ever for everybody who doesn't 
also fit that demographic, mm-hmm. you know? I'm not straight, so I don't have that part, but um, I am cis and I am white. And so I, if when my haggles are up about like, oh, this is what girlhood quote unquote is, I go, is it? Who's girlhood? You know, who's femininity? Like who gets to decide what is true? And th- the fact of the matter is you can't have a conversation about everything, you know, like, yeah. things are more complex than that. Um, there, but the the part that gets me, and again, we'll talk about this more in the in the Barbie episode, I'm sure, is the implication that it should be a certain way, or that there is something natural about it. Yeah, I think the thing, like as I've said multiple times to Missy, and I think on here, like I, I find this whole notion of like girlhood and like all this stuff really fucking interesting, and I and it took me a long time, and I still have complicated feelings on it, and I don't know how I feel, but I do feel like yes, like you were saying, pink and and femininity are oftentimes unfairly pushed to the side or judged or whatever, but it's still, and I think you've said this, it's still status quo. Yeah, it's still like you're. Uh, a woman traditionally is expected to do this. The, mm-hmm. it, but the issue isn't pink. The issue is the patriarchy and how they, te- how right. they treat women. So it's, 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 it's very complex. And I'm still just always thinking about it because I think it's really yeah. interesting. The panel was good, though. I want to be clear. Like the panel. Yeah, it was, was really good. The panel was good. The panel was informative. Um, and there's only so much you can do in 45 minutes to an hour, you know, with regard to like unpacking the association between pink and femininity. And patriarchy's def- um, patriarchy's definition yeah. of femininity, like the, it's so complex. There's so much to unpack. Um, and, and I, I didn't agree with everything she said. No, um, it was a good panel overall. It was very informative. I'm just like my hackles just go up at the association between some kind of essential femininity and pink, which is not what the what the host was doing because she, in fact, was talking about how recent in history pink has become associated with women. Um, it's just part of a larger thing that I am thinking about with regard to the embracing of girlhood and femininity. That's kind of like popular discourse right now. Um, we also did our live let's play of mask of the rose, which was has some technical difficulties. Oh boy. I love mask of the rose. I think it's a great game. Um, my computer decided midway through our live let's play that it wanted to blue screen and then update the bios four times. Um, so that was rough for me. Um, and then it died toward the end. (laughs) Despite being plugged in. Despite being plugged in. Uh, God, it was it was a rough time for me, a perfectionist. Um, but it was a lot of fun. You know, like we, we still had a good time. We had a very small crowd, which is okay. I don't mind having a small crowd. <laughs> as long as the people in the small crowd are having a good yeah. time, I'm happy. I would rather have a small audience of people having a good time yeah. than a big audience of people who are like, what the fuck is this? So I was okay with our our small crowd. Um, If you were there and you were listening, thank you so much for coming. And to the person who asked me about my laptop stickers, thank you so much for giving me something to talk about because I was going to lose my mind. I Yeah, Missy, I get really nervous before. I was was chill through that whole thing. I'm nervous. I don't get nervous before. I get nervous while I'm on stage. Like if you can see me up there like shaking, I get so nervous. Um, that I'm going to like say something wrong or that I'm boring or whatever. Um, 
But so shout out to those of you who came. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for being patient with us <laughs> through our many technical difficulties. Um, yeah, just thanks. You know, <laughs> it's a good game though. Um, I really like it. You should play more of it, Mary. You should. Yeah, it was fun. I think they have it for Switch. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Probably. Um, but it's a it's good. Mask of the Rose is a good game. Anything else to say about Geek Girl Con? No, I just love it. Was that was that all the panels we went to? I can't. Yeah, remember. we didn't go too many. Okay. Um, I watched. This is a while ago, so I have not as good memory of it. But Joyride, which has a lot of people in it, but most importantly, it has the daughter from uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once in it, and I love her. <gasps> I was getting this mixed up with Jawbreaker. No, very different vibes. <laughs> very different vibes. So the story actually it begins in Seattle. One, uh, two girls become Stephanie friends. Stephanie Shu. Yes. Uh, two girls become friends, and one of them is a adopted Chinese girl, and the other one is, is just, she has, you know, her Chinese parents had immigrated here, I guess. And they're in Seattle, so everyone's white. <laughs> so <laughs> they're like, they show, the, the Chinese family shows up, and they're like, um, these two white people come up, and they're like really excited to see their kid. And, and the Chinese people are like, what is wrong with these white people? This is so weird. And they're like, can, can can your daughter play with our daughter? And they're like, what the fuck? But this is weird. And then it shows like they have a Chinese daughter. And mm. so she wanted to have some type, uh, someone who could she could connect to besides all these white kids in Seattle. And they become best friends. And they, ca- and they grow up being totally different people. The woman who is adopted is... Um, she she becomes like a, a lawyer who's like high stakes, keeping up with the dudes, which is really funny in her practice because he's trying to be that absolute corporate woke person. Um, and it was just really funny. They did that really well. And then the other friend is an artist who creates a lot of sex positive art. So like lots of vaginas and dicks and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so, so the lawyer has to go to china to make a deal and ends up she was going to bring her friend to uh, translate for her even though she was a little afraid because she's a little wild um and eventually long story short she ends up meeting up with another friend that she went to college with who doesn't really get along with the with the um the translator friend because like you know they're best both best friends and whatever Breast breast friends and then one of the one of the people who also joins them is a cousin who uh, is nicknamed Deadeye, and they're really obsessed with K-pop. <laughs> and there's this scene because like all this stuff happens, and and she ends up wanting to find her birth mom um, for multiple different reasons, not necessarily wanting to, but being put in a position where uh, she needs to. So they ha- have to travel all these different places, and um, I won't. So I won't. There's a there's a, there's like a twist, right? And um, they have to get on a plane and Dan I she's like, or they're like, I hooked us up. My internet friend hooked us up with a private jet. And they're like, what do you mean your internet friend? Because they only had friends on internet who loved um K-pop. Well, they get there and this person shows up in this nice ass car and they have a whole private jet and they're like, I told you. <laughs> But they don't have their passports for multiple different reasons. And um, so there's this whole scene where they dress them up like a K-pop band. Oh, my God. And they do a whole performance. And it's so good. <laughs> it's so fucking good. There's another storyline of one of the friends is uh, says that 
she's waiting till marriage to have sex, but turns out she was very promiscuous in college and she has a tiger tattoo on her vagina, <laughs> um, which ends up getting leaked to the whole internet. She's also an actress. Oh, a no. famous actress. Um, but yeah, it, it was really good. It was, it was super good. It was really heartfelt. It was very much, um, like, like the, like a raunchy comedy in a way that isn't like gross. Mm-hmm. Like it was, Lots of sex. I mean, one girl has a tattoo of a tiger or on her vagina, mm-hmm. like things like that. Um, but it, at the same time, it was also really heartfelt. It didn't feel like it was leaning into that. As the raunchiness wasn't the humor. Mm-hmm. It, it was well written. It's because sometimes women are raunchy. Sometimes women are raunchy. Not me though. No, never you. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> that fake laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, I was laughing because I actually am quite raunchy sometimes. This is true. Um, but yeah, it was really good. I highly suggest it. If you like Bridesmaids and want something a little more updated, I would suggest this. It's an almost entirely Asian casting, and um, I think that really helped. Well, they, they, they are, I think, I don't know if, where they filmed, but it. There are sometimes when they're just speaking Chinese and you just have to figure it out. Not figure it out, but like you have to read and like you don't always expect that in like mm-hmm. these comedy movies. And uh, I just think it's a really good updated version of something like that. And it was my husband loved it. I loved it. My husband had he had seen the trailer for it and he was really excited to watch it. And he's like, I think you'll like this. So we watched it. We were both excited and it was super, super good. Nice. You and Josh would like it. Cool. I'll put it that in the jar. K-pop scene was just magical <laughs> it was so good really made for stephanie shu because we know now from um from everything everywhere all at once she looks incredible in a wild outfit oh she looked great and, everyone looked great and she can sing yeah everyone looked really good in that movie it was great nice sorry i'm putting it on my list um one of the one of the characters names um Real name in real in real life is Sherry Cola, and that is the best <laughs> name. That name rules. Yeah. Um, I watched season four of Sex Education, which I don't think Mary has finished. No, I'm about a third of the way through. So I won't spoil I won't like spoil too much. It's great so far. Yeah. So <laughs> I've seen so I sometimes I like look something up and then I get a Reddit post and then I just get recommended that subreddit forever. Um man, the sex education subreddit hates this season. <laughs> They fucking hate it, Um, which I think they've hated every season since season two. If I remember correctly, I guess like it it it's straying away from not the um, like the feel of it, but something that felt comfortable. The school, some of the people, yeah, you're you're being thrown into a new thing. So I think people just need to be a little more open minded. Yeah. So this season, some of the main cast has left. Um, Ola and what's her name? I can't remember her name. Alien girl. Alien girl, whose name I can't remember, uh, have left. The teachers have left um, because the school, Mor- Mordale High, I think, was demolished. Yeah. it's. I don't think it's Mordale High. Mol- Mor- think Mordale Secondary School, I yes. think is what it is, yes. because they don't it's call it high school, high school there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. No, no high school. Yeah, they don't call it that. Uh, so Mordale has been demolished after the disaster with the teacher who looks like that girl that dances on TikTok. Um, and the play and the play because they got a real bad reputation and the students now have been kind of shipped off to different schools but the main cast that we know so Otis um, Eric 
Ruby. Ruby. Those are the main ones. Yeah. Um, they get sent to this new school, which is like, quote unquote, student led and very like queer friendly to the point where I was like, we're kind of we're kind of pushing the limits of my believability here. But yeah. go off, I guess. Um, whereas Adam, my dear, dear son, Adam, has dropped out of school and goes to work on a farm. And I fucking love that for him. What a good boy. He, I've got to the point where he's there and he's like, doesn't like horses. <laughs> I love my boy Adam. And he's just learning how to drive. And I'm like, oh, man. I love my boy Adam. Um, and Maeve has gone to America to pursue a writing pro- uh, writing program taught by Dan Levy, who sucks in the show. Yeah. <laughs> just the worst. I'm, get- I'm getting, I just got to that part Fuck where. Fuck that dude. Where he. Uh, ba- he's a bad teacher. Yeah. Like he's a, a really, bad- really bad teacher. I studied English and creative writing. And like, I had some teachers who were like really down on my style um but woof not like that fuck that dude um so this season uh, this will just be really mild spoilers um this season has this new school which is run by a new group of popular kids who are very different to the expectations set by the previous school they attended at this school it's a group of friends um named uh fuck abby roman and i can't remember the other girl's name and then there's like one person who's like, I watched, I finished watching this like two weeks ago, so I don't remember everything. Anyway, it's a new group of popular kids and it's like, we don't do gossip here. We don't do this. We don't do that. Um, and there's that. And then there's also the fact that there's already a sex therapist at this school named O. So the the season sets up a rivalry between um, Otis and O, which if you think too much about it, doesn't make any fucking sense why can't there be more than one because oh super overbooked like why do there need to be one why is the school allowing this why is the school facilitating a debate between them he had to hide it before and now it's like putting it got the school shut down it doesn't make any sense, but it's fine. You just you operate within the worlds of the the rules of this world. It whatever. I'm sorry, I have to stop you for a second. Okay, I'm lo- I'm looking at IMDb, and the guy who plays Otis looks like he is Otis trying to take a picture. Like he, like, <laughs> it just looks like he he looks like if they said Otis, you're gonna be at some something like popular, look cool, and wear something cool. Jesus Christ. Um. So, like, that's a big source of the conflict in the show. There's also Eric is having um, kind of an internal battle between his life as a queer man and his church, which he feels very strongly tied to, which I didn't feel was as much of a presence in previous seasons. It kind of feels out of left field in season four. But again, whatever. Go off, I guess. No, because it wasn't too bad because he had a lot of talk with, like... um his pastor and things and he felt the connection to his religion but he didn't feel it for the people around him from the people around him necessarily if he was being himself so it, it made sense okay to me. maybe I, maybe i'm misremembering yeah. it just it i don't remember it having as big of it like it seemed like a thing he did for his family and not a thing he did for himself to me yeah um whereas this season it very much becomes a thing that he does for himself i think he always felt it was important to him but he never okay. felt like he could be open and that was where the disconnect was happening okay it is yeah it's quite possible i'm misremembering um I can't find their names because Google's bad. Sure. That's f- that's fair. Um anyway, 
I I overall I liked the series. There's a lot to like about it. I really, really, really liked Eric's storyline. Um, I have mixed feelings about Otis's for reasons I can't say because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I really liked the direction they went with Otis as far as like, yeah, even men who know about things can be real dicks. You know what I mean? Like, I I appreciated that they went that direction with Otis because Mm -hmm. like, if you look at Otis's behavior through the show, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, he is. Like, I, again, we talked about this in the very first episode. Um, the character I think I'm most similar to is in fact Otis. Like, (laughs) <laughs> I have the capacity to be a huge dick. You know what I mean? You know a lot of things. I know a lot of things. I have the capacity to be a huge asshole. Um, I try not to be, but, you know, I have the you ability. You just tell it to me. Not that you're an asshole to me. You tell the <laughs> asshole things to me yeah. and I say, you're right. Yeah, I try not to let, you know, my assholishness spill out into Sometimes my interactions. I just get, I have a hot take. I have a hot take to say. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm ready. I'm so I ready. Love Mary sometimes questions. stokes them in me by like sending me things to make me angry or, or taking me to panels yeah, to see. But like, the panels I've brought you to, honestly, have backfired not on me. Too bad. Yeah, not too bad. It's um, just interesting, and it creates, creates a good conversation. And I do love to see you get mad. Yeah, like not awfully mad, but like you know, me getting me being like usually like, <laughs> okay, and then okay, but um anyway, uh. So, like, I appreciated that direction with Otis, the fact that, like, they're like, oh, actually, just because you know about, like, feminism and, like, gender equality and that kind of stuff doesn't mean that you can't also be an asshole because you can't. You, like, you fucking can. Um, I, <laughs> I was very skeptical of the popular kids in the show. I was like, I don't trust them. I don't trust them at all because I don't trust anybody who says, like, oh, we don't do gossip um, yeah. because I'm like, oh, you totally do. Yeah. Um, and there were, there's some other things that come later in the season that I was kind of like, uh, I was like a little iffy on the the show does wrap it up. It came too fast and was too short, in my opinion. But there is a good conversation about toxic positivity that I really appreciated. Um, probably one of the standout moments that I am of two minds about it because it is absolutely essential to talk about ableism in um, in like queer positive spaces because disabled people often get left out of these discussions mm-hmm. um, and like queer disabled people exist also so but like ableism is a big problem even in like progressive communities so I really appreciated that this did a lot to um, d- address that head on the way it was addressed again really fast a bit corny mm-hmm. but I'm still glad that they did it I forgot to mention uh, Cal, I'm so glad got more screen time this season. Oh, I love Cal and got a story of their own. Um, I f- Amy's story this season was probably the best. I love Amy. I always Amy, love Amy. Her story this season was so fucking good. Like I really, 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 really love what they did with her character this season. Um, it was just like it was. I thought really well executed. Otis's story was pretty good. I have really negative feelings about one aspect of it that i don't want to spoil um but i feel extremely negative about it it is not his relationship with mave that is not the part i feel negative about um mave's story was so fucking sad uh it often is jesus christ girly it did get it's not it's not like sad all the way through but like fuck (laughs) catch a break you know Adam's story was okay. There wasn't enough of my boy. 
There, there simply wasn't enough you of my boy. You need a spinoff of Adam and Amy. Yeah. Oh, God. They're the best. Not interacting necessarily. No, just I want to know what they're doing at all times. They were dating in the beginning, weren't they? I think, wasn't Adam dating Maeve? No. Didn't they date? That's why he took his pants down in front of the whole school, showed everybody's penis. No, Jackson and Maeve were dating at Jackson, the beginning. Yeah. Maybe Amy was dating Adam. Yeah, it was Amy. Wow. Weird. It, it was like literally for the first one episode. Yeah. Because they broke up because he wasn't into girls. Yeah. Well, he is. He is. But he was. He was, he was really struggling. Struggling. <laughs> he was struggling. Um, overall, it was a solid season. It was too short. Um, they tried to cram too many things into too few episodes, which leads to some of the stories feeling like a very special episode a la the 90s. They um, needed another season because this is the last season. It needed probably three to four more episodes, in my opinion. There were some good cameos. Um, I appreciated what they were doing with uh, why did I forget her name? Jillian Anderson's character. <laughs> That's that that whole thing. I'm like, oh god, this doesn't look good. Yeah, this I, doesn't look good for me. I appreciated what they were doing with her character. I thought it was smart and effective. Um, it is a bit weird because. Uh, Jakob disappears, which could have something to do with the numerous allegations of abuse and oh, assault against him. Um, so, you know, uh, overall, I thought it was a solid season. It's probably the weakest, I would say. But the weakest from a really good yeah, show. Yeah, from a really good show. A weak season in a really good show is still so like good. a solid, enjoyable television. I had a good time watching this season overall. There's just, there's one part. And it, it reminds me a lot of my feelings about the Barbie movie <laughs> that, like, I'm just like, okay, but that's super not okay, though. Like, that's super fucking not okay. Hmm. Um, and uh, it didn't get addressed. And them's the breaks sometimes. Hmm. I feel like last seasons typically are just letdowns. Because how do you end things? The biggest example being Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> not, Which if you not Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones was pretty bad, but I but like Battlestar Galactica has a lot of seasons, a lot of episodes, mm. and it's really good throughout most of it. And then you get that ending, you're like, "What the fuck was that? <laughs> what the fuck was that?" I think th- overall this was a good ending. It was just it, it really felt like the show somebody or somebody's somewhere involved in the creation of the show left or were cut from its production. Mm. And something was missing. And also, and again, too few episodes, too many characters. I really liked the new characters overall, um, even if I was like very mistrustful of Abby specifically. I was like, mm, you're, you're no gossip, blah, 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 et cetera. And, and something very specific she did later that I don't want to spoil. Oh, God, the story with Vivian, too. Oh, man, that was rough. Um, oh God. it was good it's good it's well handled but it's rough um in my opinion i i thought it was well handled but uh like what was i saying oh my my mistrust of abby was in fact handled well in the end it was just a short i thought that in the end the discussion of toxic positivity was really effective because i think that is something that happens a lot and is difficult to talk about um so i appreciated that uh Overall, you know, a good season. There's just a few things about it that kind of didn't land for me. Um, but I mean, it's sex education. It's a good show. So I'm happy. Okay. I watched Heat, which uh, my husband was like, you haven't seen Heat. We're watching it. <laughs> um, just like that. 
It's a Michael Mann movie, which apparently he loves. And he re- he wanted to watch it, too, because he is currently reading the book. and Or one of the books. I think there's multiple. Um, and so uh, I don't know how to describe, like, sum up this movie because it was three hours long. It was three <laughs> hours long. And we started it at, like, 9.45. It was so long. But it has Al Pacino in it. And... Um, I'm with Danny DeVito. That is not correct. Robert De Niro, Val Kilmer, which Val Kilmer always freaks me out. Um, Ashley Judd was in it. Natalie Portman was in it and a bunch of other people. And it was good. So it's a story of he's not really a mob boss, but he's like uh, he's a thief, I guess. He steals lots of money and the cop. And it's like that kind of dynamic, which, of course, my husband wanted to watch because he loves cop shows and cop movies. Um, He loves a good investigation. And I don't know a lot fucking happens in this movie. Um, they want to steal from a bank and then the cops like, we got to stop them. And that's really kind of the whole dynamic through the whole thing. Um, I had a hard time in the beginning because um, I don't know. I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell Robert De Niro and Al Pacino apart for a solid like 20 minutes before I asked my husband, like, is the cop? also the bad guy he's like what are you talking i'm like they look the same he goes one of them has a goatee (laughs) so that is how i i separated them um i don't know it was a good movie i thought it was gonna be an action movie so i'm glad it wasn't an action movie because i just didn't want to watch that it's just a drama and it's about this you know um al pacino i think it's i don't know one of them the bad one is just trying to really live his thief life (laughs) you know he's trying to steal a shit ton of money and live his life he finds a lady and he's like oh lady like you and then the cop is like i have a wife my third wife but i'm never home and i'm never vulnerable with her and so at one point he walks into their house and she has somebody that she had been sleeping with just sitting there and the guy's his name um was i think was ralph and um he's like you know you can fuck my wife you can eat my food you can sit on my couch but don't you dare watch my fucking tv (laughs) and he like takes the tv and eventually like throws it into the street it was very funny um i don't know it was a fine movie it's exactly like what it sounds like Mm -hmm. it's a serious movie about cops and robbers done well with famous people in it who are great actors um and that's really all I have to say about it. <laughs> I wouldn't watch it again, but we are watching another Michael Mann movie tonight, I think. I don't know which one. Michael Mann also did the other, the the prequel to Hannibal story. Mm. I can't remember what it's Red called. Dragon? Yes. And that was really good. Mm. I liked that. So we're watching another one. I don't know <laughs> which one it is. It's uh, it's one of them. One of them. He's, he's done stuff, I, I think. <laughs> you think Hold on, i can see it doesn't really oh, he did oh he did ferrari oh and he did ford versus ferrari he really likes oh ferrari. he's a big ferrari guy yeah big ferrari guy um is it Hancock? i don't know we're watching something it's the <laughs> miami vice oh he did the aviator okay so he's done a lot ollie anyways yeah. go on uh i i reread gideon the ninth by tanson weir i had just the urge to read it again you don't reread things often not anymore because i'm trying so hard to read through my to read shelf um so you need to but i was thinking about 
Gideon the Ninth, and I was like, I think I want to reread it. And Mary told me to, so I did. Yeah. And I'm really, 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 really glad I reread it. The first You're time, welcome. Thank you. The first time I read this book was March 2020, which is not <laughs> a good time to be reading if you were um, having horrible, horrible, horrible anxiety and doom thoughts and had and, not yet you know, um, started medication to help you deal with those things. Um, and also, there's a character named. Corona Beth, whose name oh, is often gosh. shortened to Corona, and so like the name, the word Corona just keeps like jumping out at you from the page. And when this, when when the pandemic first started, yeah, that's March twenty twenty, what we called the the yeah, I almost said the sickness, the sickness. Uh, it was Corona. I remember it, hearing COVID nineteen, be like that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, so um, that was not the ideal time to be reading a, that book specifically, but also it was just. It was hard for me to follow the plot because I, my brain was just not like not able to like really stick with what was on the page. So I'm super glad I reread this. Um, the book, if you haven't read it or you didn't hear me talk about it the first time, um, is about this character named Gideon Nav who lives in the ninth house, I think is what it's called. Um, and she is kind of the she's kind of like an indentured servant. Um, and she's trying her hardest to escape the ninth house, but she gets foiled by Harrowhark Nonagesimus, the, um, reverend daughter of the ninth house, who is the gothiest goth to ever goth. Um, Harrowhark basically tricks Gideon into becoming her cavalier. So Gideon, or sorry, Harrow is a necromancer. And she has been asked to go to the emperor's house. <laughs> it's it's complicated. She has been asked. The whole thing sounds very complicated. It is complicated, but it's also not complicated. So Harrow basically traps Gideon into becoming her cla- her cavalier. So all necromancers who become what are called lictors, which are like the... Um, the like chosen ones of the emperor sort of like his personal assistants slash soldiers slash advisors um all lictors have a cavalier and so uh harrow tricks gideon in because the only other person who could be a cavalier for reasons um leaves the uh leaves the ninth before she's able to recruit him and also she hated him so it didn't matter anyway she tricks Gideon into becoming the cavalier and they go to um the emperor's house that's not quite right but it's fine they, they go they go there and it's like this decrepit gothic mansion um and they are basically told this is a test to become a lictor all right figure it out <laughs> and, and uh Harrow and Gideon at, at this point like hey, fucking hate each other. Um but are forced to work together because of circumstances. Um then also people start dying. <laughs> so this becomes a sort of gothic murder mystery in space with sci-fi elements, which you're not a huge sci-fi person. I'm not. Also it's gay on multiple levels. Um, level one, level two, level one, level two. Skips three, goes to four. Yeah. Um, it was. I'm so glad I reread it because it was a lot of fun. Like 
the parts that I found confusing the first time were a lot less confusing the second time, both because I was better able to pay attention when it's not March 2020 and because I have already read all three books. So going back through it a second time only like enhanced the experience. Um, it, I also was much better able to pay attention, like just so much better. You're just in a better place. I'm in a better Aren't place. Yeah. Um, so... The parts that I found confusing, the fir- like if you heard me talk about the first time, I talked a lot about like how confusing I found the beginning and how hard it was for me to keep track of the characters. I did not have that problem this time because I was able to pay attention better. The plot made a lot more sense to me. There are still a lot of mysteries in it, some of which I'm sure are intentional, some of which may not be. Um, overall, I had a really good time reading it. Whether you'll like this book or not, I think is it really comes down to whether you like Gideon as a character. So if you start the book and you're like, wow, this is so annoying. I hate the way Gideon talks. She's not going to change. She won't change for you. She won't change for anybody. Gideon is Gideon. That's how she is. If you don't like the humor, you're probably not going to like the series. I think it's really funny. I like Gideon a lot as a character. Um the it's it's just like it's really funny because Harrow is like like again the gothiest goth to ever goth she's the gothiest person on earth no goth is gothier than Harrow Hark no to Jessimus. um Gideon is a jock <laughs> she's a she's a jock in goth's clothing I love her she's so funny um not everybody feels that way I'm reading the second book now it is every bit as confusing as it was the first time <laughs> but in a more enjoyable way. Um, it's meant to be right it is meant to be i described i'll talk about the second book when i finish it but i described it to mary the other day as like what if you were reading a heist novel oh yeah but from the perspective like say you're reading or watching say you're watching oceans 11 from the perspective of somebody who's just at the casino (laughs) like they're just kind of seeing events happen and not knowing why so I'm really glad I reread it. I had a great time. Um, I'm excited to reread the rest of the series. Literally, as I'm reading it, I'm taking notes, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Not in a way that's like confusing, but because I can see there are so many like elements of the story to be unpicked. Mm-hmm. Um, to be unpicked. That was. Weird. I know what you're saying. Yeah, there's so many. There's so many things happening that I like want to know about. So I'm like taking lots of notes so that I can understand them. Um, and it's super fun. Like, I really, really like it. I definitely recommend it. If that sounds interesting to you, you just, I really think for the first book, you gotta be on board with Gideon's humor. Um, especially because the second book is, for lack of a better word, very meme <laughs> And it has to, it, there's a, there is an in-universe reason why a character says, if we do such and such thing, we will have none planet left grief. Oh my gosh. There is a reason that people talk like that in the series and it can be really off-putting if you are not on board with yeah. that. Um I am on board with it and I know what the reason is, so I'm okay with it, but if you're not the audience for this book, you're not the audience for the for this book and that's okay. It's this is one of those things that it gets praised so much that like it's it's one of those things where if you don't like it, you could be like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. It's fine. It's not for everybody. Like as much as people are going to be like, oh, it's the best book. It's not for everybody. It's okay if you don't like it. I personally find it super enjoyable, but I'm not everybody on this earth, as we know. I'm just Otis from Sex Education. <laughs> um, last thing I have is Desperately Seeking Soulmate, Escaping Twin Flames Universe. So uh, I had heard that there was going to be a documentary coming out on Netflix about Twin Flames. And if you don't know what Twin Flames is, um, if you're at all up to date on anything Megan Fox or Machine Gun Kelly uh, they describe themselves as, as twin flames it's essentially your soulmate I thought this was a fan fiction thing okay 
from what I understand from the from the documentary, so it's, it focuses on two people who make um, it's called like Twin Flames Universe, and they it turns into a cult, like legit, just turns into a cult. And I don't know if this idea of Twin Flames existed before she brought it up because she she didn't talk a lot, and like they do these like meetings with their people and stuff, but it kind of came out that she was like the mastermind of this idea. And I wouldn't, she's of the age where I wouldn't be surprised if it did come from that. I'm going to look into it when we're (laughs) done. Um, But the idea is essentially it's your soulmate. But these, like your your old, like your God chosen. So like Mm -hmm. literally God chosen soulmate. There's no one else. They say they have, they, you have to pay to be part of this group. And it's it's like really expensive. Always a good sign. Yeah, always a good sign. Uh, You don't, well, you don't have to necessarily pay but you do it's one of those things like you got to get all the videos right well that costs over a thousand dollars jesus fucking christ um and then you got to keep getting video and you can get separate sessions with them and they do like these therapy sessions to people who are not at all (laughs) qualified to be doing that um but they would they would start doing things that was like super not okay like um them saying this person is your twin flame and you should do anything to get them which resulted in some people getting one at least one person being arrested for stalking. Oh my god! And then a celebrity, I can't. I think it was, um, what's his name from Barbie and Notebook, Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I think it was him. Put a restraining order on one of them because they say if you're not pursuing your twin flame, something's wrong with you. You're unhappy. Oh my god! You should. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they said you should just go kill yourself. Like they were so toxic. Yikes. It turned into they started getting really popular, really, really popular. Their groups were huge. They were making so much money. They went from like a really teeny tiny shitty apartment to like a multi-million dollar home with like multiple very expensive cars. Like that's how crazy rich they were. And they were even saying like being this rich shows that you're on the right path. Okay, so it's Scientology, but instead of an alien, it's um love. Love. Yeah, essentially. Um the real alien was love. Yeah. Well, what then the issue that they started having was it was mostly women. There were a few men. Um and there was there was one and like not a lot of people necessarily actually getting together with their twin flames. So they started saying, "Okay, well, we actually think that your tr- everyone's twin flame if you're in this group." It's probably in this group as well. Well, that's hard when somebody is straight and it's mostly women. Mm-hmm. So what that turned into is him bullying, literally bullying um, women to transition. Oh, my God. Go by new pronouns and dress a certain way. Because ultimately, they may have seen like this really opening, like um, these opening people who their star couple was a lesbian couple who had been friends forever. Like a beautiful, a beautiful love story. And um, he, he he seems really open, like this is a progressive place. But ultimately, they're pushing like gender on on you a, a very like bioessential not yeah. bioessentialist but gender essentialist yeah, exactly and you, heteronormative yes because there was a divine feminine which a lot of people have probably heard of and a something masculine mm-hmm. and there had to be one there had to be those it couldn't both be right. feminine couldn't both be so that and, and you don't have to be like 
a kooky new age person to believe this kind of no. like thing either. This no. is this is these are regular people. Yeah, not many of them were not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, you know, those are the people they talked to, obviously. But there's this this cult is still going on. This is still people are still in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was based off of an article a journalist did. Who the journalist was in was in the um the documentary and somehow they had gotten so much footage of these therapy sessions from people and so you got to see firsthand how crazy they were becoming he literally was like i'm the second coming of of christ but he had always kind of been a little weird he was really into get rich fast types of things even in Mm -hmm. high school and he changed his name twice to like he moved to Hawaii so you can imagine I can't remember what the names are but you could imagine what he named I'm he sure it was really respectful yeah it was really respectful and then he named it back to Jeff um, <laughs> Jeff was Jeff his real name yeah oh okay Jeff okay. is his real name <laughs> I thought he just like chose a new name but he went with Jeff no <laughs> and then his wife uh was Megan and then her name now is like Shalia or something like that mm. I don't know but it was wild. It was super, super good. Um, I'm going to watch the Netflix one because I need to know more about these crazy people. <laughs> you uh, should join it. No, that's expensive. I don't got that money right now. <laughs> I don't got that. And, oh, and then it turned into an MLM. Of course. Because then it turned into, okay, we're not getting as much money because people are leaving because they're not finding their twin flames. Um, how do we make money? Oh, we'll, we'll create coaches. And they set themselves apart from MLMs because if you're a coach, you get you keep all the money you make on the on the individual therapy sessions that you do. So it feels like you keep everything. Um, and if I remember correctly, though, you had to buy a lot of shit. That was thousands of dollars. Naturally. Like, and it wasn't like physical things. It was like videos. And then you had to recruit people, which is what makes it become an MLM. Mm-hmm. And then they had to buy it. Did you ever listen to the dream? I don't know. You need to listen to that one. That's the MLM one that Josh and I really liked. Oh, maybe. The podcast. I don't think I have. But I, you got to do great. the dream. That sounds great. Uh, I think ML- MLMs are really interesting um, and terrible. So it was like this MLM, but it didn't seem like an MLM if you are not like really looking out for it because they kept all the money that they made. Mm-hmm. But they also were forced to spend it. Right. And recruit people. A nice, like, hybrid of, like, a religious organization and tithing and an MLM. Yes. And it was people who were just not qualified (laughs) at all in any sense. It was essentially, like, I think you're ready. And they were pressuring people to join it. One of the people, they're like, "Um, I'm... They had something that they were like, I'm struggling with this. And he's like, it's because you're not happy. Oh, this is what it was. She's, they're like, what do you think about all the time? And she says, I think about all the time being on stage. I want to be an actor. Like, that's where I want to be. And he goes, you're wrong. <laughs> you want to be a coach. I'm like, what? And she's like, I don't. And he's like, are, do you, are, are you telling me I'm wrong? I'm not wrong. I know better than you. Like, literally, he Jesus was saying Christ. that. It's wild. Uh, he gets mad if anyone questions him, um, especially was getting mad at people who are like, I'm, I'm a woman. And then he's like, nope, you're a man and would change their name, choose the name like Dan for Anne and only refer to that person as Dan the man. What the fuck? It's wild. It's very good. I want to push him down the stairs. You and Josh should watch it, but you might get mad. <laughs> uh, it was really good I'm gonna watch the Netflix one uh, it was also not that long it was three episodes I think an hour each 
And uh, I highly suggest it if that sounds interesting to you. I love a good documentary. <laughs> the last thing I did is super, super short, like really, really short. Uh, right. I picked up an abundance or just abundance of kindness by ARG, which is um, by I think those I don't know if they call it those girls press, but they are um, two creators that I'm always seeing at local conventions and I love their stuff. So um, abundance of kindness is an extremely short zine, like eight pages and each each page has like one line on it um about kindness and about being uh like the f- i'm not gonna read the whole thing um because that would like you buy it yourself um the first page is i've been told my whole life i'm too nice and it kind of goes off of that into like the f- the the choice to be a kind person to be a nice person despite the fact that that is a difficult thing to be not just because it's hard to be kind but because our world is not built on kindness whatever whatever is true about you know the fact that we're a social species that we benefit from being close to one another our world does not impress that upon us um and so this little zine is about the the feeling of choosing to do that anyway and i really appreciated this um because damn if it ain't true um, it's really cute and really sweet and kind of empowering, I feel like, in the end. I don't want to say too much about it because I cannot stress enough how short the zine is. Mary could read it <laughs> in the next 15 seconds. Oh, um, I want to, like, here. I'll do it right now. You could yeah. talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could join my conversation about this. Um, the artwork is really pretty, very simple, but, like, really effective um, in in how it communicates the idea um and overall i just really really liked it um and i'll give mary another you know 10 seconds to finish the zine and then she could talk about it too i'm a slow reader that's okay yeah this seems like you yeah that seems like you (laughs) yeah so it's good it's good do you feel my summary of it was pretty accurate it is it is (laughs) it reminds me a lot of um when my mom always told me like um nice people get further in life and mm-hmm. like i found that to be untrue but as i get older i'm like but it needs to be true yeah sometimes we don't do things because um because that is how the world works but it's because we it's how we want the world to work it's how the word the world should work and sometimes our desire to make the world work a certain way is at odds with the way the world actually works and that doesn't mean that we should do the work anyway yeah that was really complicated but i followed it thank you thank yeah, you you're welcome, you're welcome. <laughs> it's like you're a writer <laughs> um so that's it for this episode you can find us online at fakegirlscast.com um thank you to emily june for helping out with our transcriptions if you like this episode consider leaving us a review on your podcast service of choice i should have started this out with i'm mary and my baby's the size of a lettuce <laughs> <laughs> I think next week it's like something really weird. A double decker bus. No. It's like, <laughs> hold on, I have to I have to find it now because Mary's app, Mary's baby app <laughs> keeps right. comparing her baby to different foods. And like most do this. And I am so confused as to why why oh. the world wants us to eat the baby. Here I know what it was. It's not next week. It's the picture they've chosen for the head of lettuce. <laughs> head of lettuce it looks like a almost like a celery stick. it looks like a leek yeah it looks like a leek <laughs> uh, next week is it's a head of cauliflower which just looks like cauliflower okay anyways <laughs> and then a bunch of broccoli next time we're gonna be talking about barbie 
That will be our November episode. We usually take December off. But, but I wonder if we should do December this year and take January off. I can do anything, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, January, I'll probably won't be doing it. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Now, do you want to take some time off? I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell you until I get closer. Yeah. If Mary takes some time off, I plan. T- so let's just say we're going to take January off, period. Oh. Well, here's what I'm thinking. We can always have you for what we've been up to. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's then true. if you're not able or willing to do full-length episodes, I can have some guests on. Or, like, if I haven't done anything. Yeah. Except it's changed diapers. Yeah. my We'll have to play it by ear. My thinking is probably we'll be here in December. I'm th- I'm thinking that that's exactly correct. And we'll take January off instead. Because we usually take December off. Unless she comes early. Unless she comes early. Which is possible. Babies... They operate on their own schedule. It's true, they do. So I just don't want her to come too early. Yes. And I don't want her to come too late. I right. don't want to be... You don't want her to be under or overcooked. Yeah. Well, she can never be overcooked because no. they don't stay in you very long enough. But She could um, get burnt in there. She could get burnt in there. You are not supposed to take hot baths, so... Yeah, she could get burnt. Um. No, I just don't want to be like Just like that mystery me. Because they won't have you go to 41. <laughs> They'll induce you, which I have nothing against inducing, but like I don't want to get to the point where I'm like... Walking on curbs and eating spicy food. Right. And downing dates and raspberry tea, even though there's no scientific (laughs) evidence saying that it works. So as of right now, the plan is to go through December. Um, I don't know what our December episode will be yet because it's complicated. (laughs) Um, January, we will most likely take off. And February, we may be back with Mary. We may be back with a guest host. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, if we need guest hosts, we'll do that. If we don't need guest hosts, we'll do that. Um, and just know that we will not be putting out new episodes in January. That's that's our month off. It's the baby. Anyone have some good baby names? Because I have like seventeen, <laughs> and I can't choose. I think Daphne's up there right now, but I don't, I don't know, know why you're not going with the simple classic Raphael. Fuck off. <laughs> It won't be Raphael. It also won't be what my husband said it should be, which I'm not going to repeat. <laughs> Whatever you're imagining now is worse. Whatever we are all imagining now is worse than what it could be. Yeah, but I'm still not going to say Rambo. It. He's he said that. He's given that. He's just you guys all choose the worst names. None of you Wrong. are serious. <laughs> We're so unserious. Name or Gideon. Do it. <laughs> no. All I think of when I hear Gideon is is Gideon. yeah. <laughs> We just rewatched I Love You, Man the other night. Still good. Yeah. Um, good. So that's it. Expect Barbie in November. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Uh, Actually, I think Barbie might come out in December. This is the thing. I don't know. We record in advance. So like me saying this just means that like actually there won't be a new d- episode at the beginning of fucking February. Or I something can't even like that. remember half a time since we that we're recording since we changed schedule a little bit. Let me tell you, going every other week has done wonders it's, for my life. It is really nice. I'm so sorry. I, cannot, I don't know if we're ever going back no, because I, don't think I we should. this is so much better. I don't think we should. I don't yeah. think I'll be able to honestly. Yeah. A kid, um, a young kid, and eventually go back to work. Hopefully. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. All right, that's it. All right, catch on the flip side. Baby.